Welcome to the Get With It podcast. I will be your host, Elizabeth. This podcast will focus on the decline of women in technology and how our grassroots organization works with the community to foster relationships and reducing the gap of women in tech. We will be talking with both men and women on how to continue to move the needle forward on those relationships. For more information, please check us out at getwitit.org. And welcome to another edition of the Get What Up podcast. Now, you're going to have to help me because I am going to jack this up. Carlotta. 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 Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and now you have to say your last name. Denini. Denini. So it's D-E and then N-I and N-I. Correct. All right. Okay. So I normally mess up last names big time. So I wasn't even going to try that. So, (laughs) all right. And you are um, in the UK, correct? Yes. In London. In London. Okay. So you're, um, we're talking to you in London. So what time is it there? It's going to be like five. five, Yeah. 5 PM. Okay. So your day is done. My day is done. (laughs) I I left uh, probably the most uh, interesting bit for today. For, for the last of the day, I'm actually pretty excited. This is my first podcast. So oh. I, yeah, I, I tend to tell myself when was the last time you did something for the first time, you know, and uh, well, thanks to you, this was one of those times. So I'm ready to start. Oh, this is awesome. Okay. So Carl, I'm not, I got to roll my tongue, right? Carl, oh man, now I can't roll my tongue. It's, it's, it's quite difficult. I don't know because like uh, English speaking, they, they've got way more relaxed R's, but uh, Lottie is fine if you prefer. Lottie. Is that like uh, a nickname? Fine. Nickname. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So you're going to have to go back and tell us all sorts of your great background, um, like schooling, how you got where you are, whatnot. But first, tell everybody you are the CEO of Creative Passage, right? Passport. Passport. Okay. Creative Passport. Okay. Yes. And you're going to tell us all about that. But how did you get where you are? Yeah. Well, clearly, I think that's quite a fairy tale kind of story. <laughs> Uh, and I'm more than happy to share it. So, well, I'm, I'm from Italy. And uh, essentially, I w- when I was back in Italy, in Milan, I used to study and I used to work in audio engineering. So audio engineer by background. And essentially, after working in there for some years, I just decided that I just wanted to, you know, continue with my studies. And the options were pretty much two different ones. Um, I either wanted to go into physics, very, very interesting acoustic things, again, being kind of an audio engineer, or going more into a business and management uh, master and continue like that. Then at the end, I just decided to go for the latter because I've always been quite interested in business dynamics. Also, when I was in Milan studying and working, I opened my own little uh, audio and video production company with a friend so I really wanted to take that route and that's what brought me to London and uh, that is kind of uh, how I end up being the CEO of the Creative Passport so while starting my my master what happened was that uh, I was kind of a little bit you know feeling weird because um, here in UK, the, the le- there are very few lessons, you know, as part, of, although the course was full-time and I had like three lessons per week. And I was like, well, you know, I moved in here. I really want to focus on my study. So I really do not want to take on other, you know, important jobs, but I really want to do something more. So I went to my course leader. I was in Middlesex University and I just told them, look, I mean, is there anything that is happening in the school? Maybe some research. I really want to, you know, get my hands on something without going into doing a proper job that would take my attention from the studies. And they were like, oh, um, do you have a music background, don't you? And I was like, yeah, actually, yes. They were like, actually, the music department is doing some interesting research about new technologies. They're working with a British artist. Um, just go and speak with this person and they will t- tell them more. 
And what happened was that essentially um, there was this research group who was uh, working with a British artist, Imogen Heap, and they were doing uh, research about the application of uh, this kind of new technology, blockchain technology applied to the music industry. So I just started to uh, take part uh, of the research group. And that's actually how I met Imogen, because uh, this was uh, more or less like uh, January or February, I think now more than five years ago or something. I might need to <laughs> think about that. There was a, a press release uh, about one of the experiments that she did, that she released a piece of music uh, using uh, uh, Ethereum and uh, you know different services that actually partake this kind of uh, call that she did, uh, speaking about the fact that she wanted to do something different. And uh, just imagine a student, an Italian student, who absolutely loved who Imogen was, like literally, I, got, I don't want to sound cheesy, but she was my idol, and I really, <laughs> really respect her till today. So, you know, if Imogen will ever, you know, hear that, uh, this is the, the truth. And uh, she was just between all people talking to her and uh, all the journalists, and I just, you know, took a deep breath, and I was like, now I'm going to go and introduce myself, because... Uh, it's now and I have to do it. And so I did. And what happened was that I arrived there super energetic with very loud voice. I mean, this is also something that my team makes fun of me with this really a little bit thick Italian accent. And I was just, uh, you know, my name is Carlotta. Really like what you're doing. Uh, just trying to understand whether I could help or not and things like that. And she just looked at me and she was like, yes, sure. I would love for you to help us. So just uh, come next week to, you know, the Sonos Studios. We're going to meet in there. And, uh, and then that's how it started. Essentially, I just uh, was around the team and her team every time I could. Just, you know, making myself useful, taking notes. I mean, call it an internship, maybe. Although it was not, uh, like, uh, strategically called like that. And then um, the year passed. I did my master thesis on this experiment with Ujo Music, releasing the music on blockchain. And then I just literally reminded this moment uh, like it was yesterday. But remember, it was August, finishing my you know, dissertation, Imogen called me. And I was like, oh, cool, that's fine. Let's see what she wants, right? She was like, oh, Carlotta, how are you doing? And, uh, and I was like, oh, you know, Imogen, I'm just finishing my thesis. I have to hand over, you know, in uh, October. So taking my time, all good. And she literally said, hmm, okay, well, you know what? I think I really want you to work for me, like for real now. So I need to, you to come with me in Manchester for one week in September. So, I mean, she essentially said, you better have to, you know, finish the thesis earlier because I want you earlier. And then uh, that was absolutely a moment of joy. And I was like, yes, sure. So it's like two weeks, finish the thesis and it just went, you know. And this is how it started, uh, kind of the, the, the working experience that I had with her. And uh, over the last years, before becoming the CEO of the Creative Passport, I actually took on some very different roles as part of the team. So I started in the research team of Mycelia, which is this uh, research and tech uh, hub that she founded, investigating new technologies, kind of how to make life easier for music makers. Then um, after doing some research projects, uh, also with some students from Westminster University, there is this project that we did called Life of a Song that analyzed all the income that Imogen got from uh, uh, one of her most famous songs that she released. The, the, the name is uh, Hide and Seek. So we did uh, an interactive web visualization of that that is available for everyone to check on the Mycelia website. I moved into operations and head of operation because we started to um, we started to organize a, a music and tech tour that then it indeed happened 18 month, um, months ago. So I moved a little bit more into tour management, if you like, a kind of role and negotiation, contracts. And although everything was quite exciting, because I mean, a war tour, I'm going to go on a war tour, it's like best stories I've, ever, I've had. And uh, at the same time, it's also brought me back a little bit from the very beginning that I was an audio engineer. So although I was doing some more managerial and project management stuff, still I was grateful to, you know, have partake that kind of studies. And what happened was that uh, after the tour, and this was July last year, um, 
we got, uh, as part of the tour, uh, a very big uh, funding opportunity to develop what the creative passport, the, the creative passport, because this was just an idea that uh, came after, you know, a lot of brainstorming sessions and a lot of workshops that we organized with local music makers world, worldwide as part of the Mycelia tour. So we ended up having this big bunch of money coming from the Finnish government. And we were like, okay, so this is not an idea anymore. We, we have to do it for real, right? And, uh, and then another kind of uh, interesting moment that uh, we, we wanted to create another company and all these kind of things to pursue the technical development. And Imogen just told me, you know what, Carlotta, I think that you're the best person I could uh, imagine running this because you've been there from the very beginning. You're a powerhouse. You're energetic. You're young. You're strong. Just, uh, you know, go and do it. As we say in Italy, you wanted the bike and now you have to cycle. And so here <laughs> I am, one year in uh, uh, being uh, the CEO of the Creative Passport. Okay, now after all that, what does Creative Passports do? Yes. So the Creative Passport is a digital identity for music makers linked to verified information about themselves and their work. So the issue that we are trying to, to solve and trying to, to, to also kind of challenge is that as part of the music industry and also kind of broader around the internet and everything digital, so the sensitivity about privacy and data, Unfortunately, music makers, specifically DIY music makers, but also, you know, all sorts of from A-lister to just start starting musicians, they really struggle to keep their profile information up to date. Because just imagine, and I felt that myself, helping Imogens and the team as part, you know, of all the sorts of roles that I, that I partake with, uh, the moment uh, an artist updates their biography, you need to log in in 30 different, if not more places and copy and paste and update it everywhere. Clearly, this is the biography is just one of the data points. We're speaking about press pictures. We're speaking about skills, descriptive metadata around songs. It's, there's a lot of data around the, what is called the artistic persona of a person, or, okay. of a, you know, it's kind of a human being that is a music maker. So what we want to facilitate with the creative passport is that if an artist would have their own creative passport, they will be able to log in into third-party music services with the creative passport credentials, so they won't have to remember all the passwords or all the different logins, and partake all the verification uh, about their, you know, kind of the fact that they're a real person, so government identity verification, some industry identifiers identification that is uh, the IPI and IPN numbers, and uh, that are very important numbers that get the music makers paid, so they have to be right. <laughs> and then at the same time, having the Creative Passport connected to these music services, these music services can actually access updated information about an artist. So the moment an artist will update their biography, they will update it in X number of places with the touch of a button. And this is something that really, really, really helps not only decreasing admin and boring work, because, I mean, music makers, uh, they need to stay in the studio. They need to do their magic. They shouldn't, you know, take care of all the kind of background work that there is. But unfortunately, or, you know, fortunately, because lots of music makers are becoming way more entrepreneurial, they have to do it. So we would just want to... Uh, kind of uh, improve the collaborative experience and making sure that uh, music makers are in control of their own information. Because also another time, other thing that sometimes happens is that uh, these services sometimes use uh, information that are either crowdsourced or maybe fun, push them, and sometimes they're wrong. So there is also the concept of the music maker opting in, deciding what they want to share with who, and having the authority to verify their own information. So do look, you said that the artist normally updates it, but like let's say like a like a Beyonce, they probably yeah. have somebody who does it for them, right? Yeah. And uh, the struggle is real also for that somebody that does it for them. Because again, <laughs> like uh, Imogen uh, herself, and clearly I use Imogen as an example, but with the Creative Passport, we've got an amazing community of ambassadors and uh, music makers of all levels and career that are really, really, you know, it's kind of a belief in our vision. 
Um, the struggle is real because uh, sometimes uh, that person that uh, needs to do that kind of admin job, uh, they, they have to do it in any case. So my point and our point is uh, whether is the manager or whether is the artist themselves, uh, why can't we make it easier? Because it's not fun copying and pasting things everywhere, making sure that everything is up to date. So it's literally kind of the benefit goes in the entire pipeline because services can have updated information that they know it's real. Music makers can save time or their team can save time. And then at the same time, which is something that goes within the whole vision of the creative passport, having a place where to put authoritative information about yourself, about what you like, about the person who you are, increases also the uh, discoverability of your music, the discoverability as you as an influencer, you know, because you can imagine, for instance, and, you know, maybe in marketing and advertising, that's kind of uh, the, the, the thing that sometimes happens. And I do have some friends working on advertising, sometimes they are completely not. They might need to find a specific person that uh, is, uh, um, it, it, it's going okay with a kind of the brand that they want to push. And maybe we can just imagine just using completely random information. There is a new, amazing, vegan uh, clothing brand who really wants to have an influencer, maybe a piece of music written by a music maker that is based in somewhere in the world that is maybe a female or a male, or maybe they are vegan themselves. They've got specific interests. So how do, you know, kind of businesses find these kind of people? They find them, of course, but then it's harder. It's also more admin work on, on the side of, you know, on the side of the businesses who actually needs to find the information. Whereas if music makers were able to offer all this information about themselves, then again, it's like everyone in, uh, in, uh, in the industry, it's really, really getting some benefits. So that is kind of uh, the whole, the whole vision so is, do you do that? Do you like connect with um, artists with branding like that? So at the moment, clearly uh, the Creative Passport is not out yet because we oh, officially, yeah, it's not out yet because we officially start the strong kind of following a, a very, very, very uh, tight timeline uh since uh, i i came on board officially as uh, the chief executive so you're still and, just building it out yes we are testing okay. right now so we're looking at having a open beta so a platform that the music makers will be able to sign up and start to play around with uh, this autumn so how do you okay so since you're in that testing world how do you um reach like how do you get the artists so we, um, we've got uh, quite a bottom-up approach with what comes with artists and, uh, you know, it's kind of, I, usu I usually uh, say music makers as a term because artists uh, uh, is kind of one kind of music makers because we've got producers, audio engineers, uh, songwriters, session musicians, so music makers oh. is quite an inclusive term rather than We're not than, just uh, talking like singers. No, no. Drummers uh, or guitar players. We're talking the whole gamut. Yes, the whole game, okay. all the creatives behind a track. So um, we have got, uh, clearly, being based in London, our founder is an international renowned uh, artist uh, that uh, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of famous, both in music and tech. We do have uh, quite some tight networking, UK base. And then with what regards instead the international ambassadorship and followers community that we have got, we built it up while we were on tour. So with these, those workshops that I was mentioning before, so each city we went to, uh, specifically in Europe and North America, and then uh, we were supposed to go to South Africa, but we did, uh, fortunately, we had some troubles with the organization and we did uh, an interactive kind of uh, uh, remote session with some uh, South oh. African music makers. So and, that would be uh, life now. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, so nothing, not, nothing crazy. And uh, speaking with them and asking them their needs and literally trying out uh, and trying to find the validation, if you like, from an international 
music makers community of the ideas that we had that uh, Imogen felt as a music maker with a 20 plus years of career that that's how we uh, you know kind of uh, managed to grow very organically and very in an intimate way our uh, music makers community so um just a side question here um have you been to the united states Yes, many times, many and where times. Where have you been? Oh dear. Okay, <laughs> so I have been to well. Okay, well, New York, uh, Austin, LA, all the uh, San Francisco. I mean, all oh, the all usual the suspects. All the all the big cities. Uh, then, um, I, well, probably it might be wiser to say where I didn't go because I traveled quite a lot. <laughs> I, I missed uh, the central kind of uh, uh, part. So East Coast and West Coast, done it both on holidays with friends as well as specifically for work. But I do miss a little bit more uh, the internal kind of city and states that are in there, like oh. Iowa. I've never been in there. Or... Most people <laughs> haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to Iowa either. <laughs> I don't think okay. I'd go either. So <laughs> I don't know. Why not? Maybe you might be surprised. <laughs> Cornfields. There's lots of them there. <laughs> Did you ever make it to Ohio? No. No. No Ohio. No. Eh? Okay. That's all right. So that was either on holiday, you said, or with work. So sorry, yeah. sidebar question because you said, Yeah, of course. <laughs> I was like, huh, I wonder where you've been. So you get you so you have these this network that you're going to use for testing. Yeah. Right. And then would do you have like a launch date? Do you have sort of an idea of what your roadmap kind of looks like as far as releasing? Yeah. So clearly having a launch date uh, I, I might have it in my mind. But uh, they, 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 they always struggle as part of being, you know, a tech startup. And actually, we are a not-for-profit tech startup. It's a little bit a battle between what I would like to see and uh, how the techies can deliver the platform. So it's Why always like... Profit? That's interesting to me. Uh, what? Sorry? Why non-for-profit? Why not-for-profit? So this was a decision that uh, was made from uh, Imogen, our founder, because uh, the concept uh, is that the Creative Passport uh, is uh, allowing to, you know, kind of manage better information and data about music makers. So besides uh, privacy by design, and we're working with some amazing legal team, also from Harvard University, making sure that all the terms and conditions are going to be super user-friendly and what is called... Uh, uh, legal design, which is uh, something that's a little bit more new kind of in, uh, in, uh, in tech practices, at almost making it uh, nice and engaging reading a terms and condition document, you know, it's like making it nicely designed. Um, essentially, the concept is that uh, we do think that this information that we were speaking about, so again, from the biography or the interest or all these kinds of things, these are the information that with the user consent can be monetized, right? Because uh, I can give you like an example um, where I was speaking with one of uh, the major streaming services some, you know, some months ago, and specifically they express a lot of interest in accessing a music maker other music makers' interests, so who they actually like. Why? Because having that altered information, they can, for instance, completely change the way they curate playlists or artist radios. Oh. So rather than having an Imogen Heap playlist or Imogen Heap radio that is actually based on what the DSP or digital service provider, in this case, streaming services, what their behavioral data and the user data, so what other fans listen to, that might be other independent British artists from, you know, Kate Bush to our lovely Icelandic Bjork, they can instead create different experiences for their audience based on what actually an artist listens to, what Imogen listens to. And uh, most artists have got the, the best and the most eclectic taste. Imogen herself, you would have never, you know, kind of imagine what she actually loves. And so, I mean, this is, for instance, uh, uh, an example of uh, 
um, a service, a business is actually paying to access this kind of information. But then if you've got a for-profit company, clearly you need to, you know, fundraise, give out equity, meaning that you're actually sharing the profit of this information with the investors as it should be. Well, we really didn't want it to be our case. So there are pros and cons, of course, being a not-for-profit. Uh, pros are that uh, we receive lots of pro bono help from professionals, from music makers themselves that really want to help with, you know, kind of our 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 cause. Some amazing developers in the open source community, which, by the way, we're also developing all the tech we're, all the tech we're developing is open source as well. So, like for instance, just the something uh, funny funny meaning like interesting to share um a person reached reached out to me i think on linkedin some months ago and his name is derek and uh, he wanted to help he was in the music industry and also he's uh, an amazing ux uh, researcher and uh, talking with him i just realized that he was part of the research team at microsoft back in the days probably in the 90s and their research team, his research team, invented the star button for Windows. So it's literally oh. impressive. You know, it's like maybe now it's something that we give completely for granted. Of course, there is the start button. But, you know, this person was part of the team who invented that. And so I feel absolutely, you know, blessed to, to receive such a, you know, amazing support from wow. uh, the music and tech community. And, you know, he helped us whenever he can in his free time. He's also an educator and that is amazing. So these are kind of the perks of being a not-for-profit. On the other hand, the fundraising part is tougher because we do not want to go to investors. So we are relying on philanthropic, in, not philanthropic investment, philanthropic do donations, as well as a public grants, like the one that we got from, uh, from Finland. We recently just got one from, uh, uh, from uh, the Netherlands. So clearly, there are some pros and cons, but you know, so far so good. Do you have, you have to submit, well, here in the United States, we have to write grant proposals and that kind of stuff. Is that how you had to get the money? Yes. yes. It's quite similar, the process, although um, we actually, uh, because right now we are a not-for-profit company integrated in Estonia because we receive some European, uh, some European money. And unfortunately, because of Brexit, we were not eligible to receive them being based in UK. So oh. it's like, uh, let's not open that, uh, that oh. the topic, please. <laughs> but it is what it is. Um, and other, and other options that we were actually, and why not? And we might like uh, uh, just press uh, start for future possibly engagement was to create a sister company in the US and create a 501c3, which is a charity. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that uh, we could be eligible to extend our fundraising uh, um, efforts also in US territory and clearly, you know, eventually employing US people and all these kind of things. We're pretty much international. So it's similar in Europe, the process. I have to say that creating a 501c3 is way tougher compared to creating a, a not-for-profit company, whether in UK or, you know, like uh, elsewhere in Europe. But uh, uh, here in North America, nothing's easy. <laughs> We're non-for-profit and there's, there's two actually different non-for-profits and um, let's see, I can't remember. I think we're a 501 C3, but a 501C6 is, the other. is yeah. the other one. Yes. <laughs> about one can take donations, but the other one has to be sponsorship raised. And yes, yeah, it's all mumbo jumbo to me. We have somebody <laughs> who does that for us. <laughs> I, I learned, I learned. Uh, it's interesting, you know, it's like uh, I've had some people helping me, some also some, some legal people. So, I mean, I'm always up for the challenge. I'm always up for learning something new. So <laughs> well, that's <laughs> good. That's good. So when you go, um, so this is, so this particular application creative passport is just for the music makers correct yes is there like a correct. flip side where i could go and look the stuff up or no yeah so okay here's the thing and i think potentially you know with your podcast uh, you might be actually a user of what we want to offer 
paper. So um, the Creative Passport as a, what is called a progressive web app that we are developing is targeting music makers. Clearly from the name, Creative Passport, ultimately our vision is to extend the same capabilities and the same options of, you know, providing information about themselves to the whole more creative and artistic community from performing arts, actors, like literally you name it. Whether it's going to be the creative passport doing that, whether it's going to be some other, you know, kind of companies taking on the job and expanding our vision. Again, it's like we are mostly developing in open source. So if anyone would just, you know, join the cause and they know better an industry that could be the acting industry and they want to join forces, by all means, we're, we would be absolutely up for that. But with what regards, if you like, like general public or non-music makers people, what we are doing is that uh, although we do not really focus on creating something that is for fans, right, because it's mostly B2B kind of the approach, we are also developing um, along the Creative Passport the two microservices that are going to be free for music makers to use. And at the very beginning, also free for other people to use or other businesses to use. So one is a public visualization of your Creative Passport profile. So everything that the music makers would have to put in their own Creative Passport is like a private dashboard, right? So they will be able to create like an about.me page, which is their public profile. They can decide what to make public. And in that case, they can just use that the short web link to share around, whether to journalists or to people maybe that would want to interview them. So to have an amazing, almost like an APK, an electronic oh. press kit, it's said in, in kind of music terms. And then another thing that kind of works both with the public profile and uh, the Creative Passport per se, we're also developing a, a research portal. So this research portal, music makers will be able to search for other music makers and all the search criteria will ping down to the public profile. So you can only be kind of searched and discovered or uh, the, like uh, discoverability through searchability, as we say, <laughs> um, based on what you want to make public. So just to... Uh, Going back to what I said, maybe you might be interested to, to use the service is that if you want to interview an amazing uh, uh, female music maker who is also maybe a coder and in tech and has got some whatever, you know, kind of threat of personality and the specific skills that you might be interested in in an episode, then you will be able to access this portal and search for the person that you exactly need. So that I'm quite excited about that as well. That's as well. pretty yeah. cool. Now, how many people do you have working on your team? So we're quite a small team. Uh, we are nine people and uh, not all of us are full-time. So we've got also some, uh, some part-time people and some people who are shared among different teams that work also with other companies that Imogen founded. Something that uh, I would say, and I'm super proud again as well, is that out of nine people, we are seven strong independent women. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, because we've got Imogen, who's our founder, again, uh, internationally renowned, amazing woman, amazing, super inspirational human being. Then we've got Jules, our own PR and comms uh, representative, who is also super inspirational. She was having an amazing career in the corporate world, and she decided to create her own agency, five in a boat, and, you know, start from zero. And uh, it's like a very, very kind of inspirational. Then we've got Kathy, who is uh, our super precise, everything digital, uh, German, German tech person, and uh, who's also helping me uh, pro with project management of all the, the various uh, sprints that we are having with the tech team. Then we have got Matab, who's uh, one of our engineers. And uh, that's also we're quite international because she's originally from Iran. She worked between oh. uh, Canada and the Silicon Valley before transferring uh, in London. And she's also like the chair of the Persian Women in Tech, which is an amazing 501c3, probably based in, in, uh, in uh, California. Now I don't remember, but then they organize uh, uh, very inspiring events and session to kind of... Uh, uh, really support uh, Northern African and uh, Middle Eastern and Iranian ladies who want to go into STEM kind of sectors. 
Then we've got who else? We've got Jane, our amazing account manager and spreadsheet master who keeps me on track with all the spendings. We've got Osta, our head of uh, ambassadors. She's an, uh, an artist herself from Norway. So I'm really, really proud to be, you know, working with uh, amazing women. And we do have our, also our boys. So it's just a, a quick <laughs> shout out to them. We've got Mark, our CTO, who's absolutely my right arm, right hand, uh, is my, literally my strength in all of this, as well as Andy, our, our uh, uh, UX and UI designer, who's a uh, Grammy-nominated artistic director. So that's wow. quite a kick-ass team we've got. Yeah, you do. Wow, holy moly. Love that, that you have seven women, though. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's really great. And also, like, also literally working with Imogen herself and all the other teams that uh, she has, we were pretty much... Uh, all females also on tour like super quickly we were on tour and all the production team of the tour besides some musicians who were male we were all females and when we were going to the theaters people were actually excited as well as a little bit not concerned by all means no but then they were like oh this is actually the first time that uh, three of the tour managers are females the production person is female this audio engineer is female we were all females so it's like a that's good right one. amazing world <laughs> that's awesome that is so cool so when you launch this what happens then like what's the next big thing for you so what's the next big thing for us with the creative passport development clearly we do have uh, artists from all over the world that are just waiting for the day that uh, they will be able to sign up and start to using the creative passport as well as uh, spreading the word in a very organic and mouth-to-mouth way because you know if you've got an audio engineer that works in a studio they see pretty much five or six either bands or music makers per day so in that case uh, we do have some very strong allies that are ready to jump whenever we're ready That's so right the literally next big thing that is going to happen after having this public beta is making sure to continue the ongoing discussions that we are having with industry players from major labels to independent labels and publishers or collection societies as well with what we call third-party music services. So just services who either need to access updated information about an artist or need, need to offer them a login and making sure to have as many integrations as possible. Because clearly it's a little bit of a chicken and egg situation, right? Because we've got some users, we've got the music makers, and then we've got our, what we can call them business clients, right? And business clients are like, oh yeah, that's very interesting. That's very good. How many users you have? And then, I mean, clearly right now we've got some potential users, but right. our, our, our goal is to reach, uh, you know, like 12 months after public launch, probably uh, reaching 100,000 users. But then music makers, on the other hand, sometimes, uh, obviously, they ask us, hmm, I really like the idea. I love it. But then how many services do you have integrated? Because maybe I'm just going to sign up when you're going to figure out and have, I don't know, 10 services integrated. And so it's a little bit... Uh, what com- comes first? Having said that, uh, um, as part of the conversations that we are having with uh, our lovely ambassadors, they really understand that we are a company that is created for music makers by music makers. I'm a music maker myself as well. I played and I classically trained myself as classical guitar. So they oh, guitar? really, really... Guitar, yeah. Classical guitar. You thing. And, uh, and then being also a former audio engineer myself. So I'm literally, it's kind of two of <laughs> two hats on music makings and, uh, the community really understands that they need, uh, we need their help in being there in being kind of helping growing the user, uh, the user, because uh, like that, uh, we will just, you know, do better and attract more clients and, you know, kind of potentially expanding the whole project also thanks to network effect. So do you sing too? No. No. I mean, I tried. When, when I was in my teenager years, I was, of course, uh, the singer and guitar player of a punk rock band. And we were doing like crazy stuff around. 
but I do not consider myself a singer. Oh, okay. I love the punk band. What was the name of the band? Um, oh, God. Um, <laughs> I also made the, you see, I mean, I was just into this whole music business kind of things. I also made t-shirts and then I sold oh. them to my friends for like five euros. Um, uh, Jersey Puppets. Jersey? Don't ask me, wh- don't ask me why. I have no idea, but I remember <laughs> the little logo was a little puppet uh, made in cotton and jersey, so it made sense. But oh, jersey puppet, oh dear. <laughs> there you go, a little flashback. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> so what, uh, this is off, off subject, what do you do for like when you're not busy? Like so, hobbies, what do you do on your free time? What do I do in my free time? Um, okay. So I can, I consider myself quite an active person, a curious person. And, uh, if I, if it, you know, I was like, if I would literally try anything that you can try, you know, from budget jumping, I've done it, uh, kite surfing, surf, uh, snowboard, uh, parachutes, like literally name it and either I've done it or I've got it in my to-do list. So besides that, clearly, because unfortunately you cannot always take the time and do all this crazy stuff. In my free time, I really, really, I mean, actually I'm really learning as I go to balance my working time and my free time. So I'm, I'm a young, uh, female in a C-grade position. I'm 28. Therefore, I always feel that I have to work that little bit more. I'm the youngest of my team. I really do not want to upset people and I really have to to give, you know, 200% more. But then I'm just realizing that uh, overworking is not the answer and it's good to, you know, take your moments and things. So, on the other side, I mean, I love going to concerts. I'm clearly a music lover. I love hanging out with friends, whether it's a picnic or going, you know, roller skating somewhere. I love traveling, uh, although traveling a lot for work uh, sometimes it just makes me kind of enjoy quiet times at home. And uh, I just, uh, I think I just kind of enjoy everything that is energetic as well as everything that has got uh, some creative and cultural kind of uh, things to it. That's something that I can learn from. So from reading and uh, I don't know, going to an art museum in which I have no, absolutely no idea who the artist is and, uh, you know, which kind of style that the painting is. And I just try to educate myself as much as I can. So I'm just the the curiosity in person, you know? (laughs) That keeps it real, right? Keeping it real and not being fake. Love it. So what, um, with this whole COVID thing going on, are you working from home? I'm assuming. Yes, I am. And I'm currently in my, I mean, you uh, audience would not be able to see me, but I'm currently in my bedroom because (laughs) there's my partner. She's having a, a, a working call uh in the living room and therefore i was like okay that's fine i'm just gonna you know take my <laughs> my interview and podcast uh, in uh, love it <laughs> in the other room but um with what regards actually disruption if you want to put it like that in the way that we operated again we got pretty lucky in the worst of the times because uh, due to my intense traveling during the tour as well as uh, going to conferences all over the places, even before being chief executive of the Creative Passport, because still, we were still running it as a side project. I have always had uh, a remote team. So we have always operated as a remote team. I've always tried to accommodate. And now that uh, clearly is kind of uh, trying to give the good example and trying to, you know, keep all my people in the team happy and motivated I've always tried to give so much trust and, uh, and flexibility. So actually, what uh, used to be a pain point of not having a fixed space and office, because we were like sharing an office space here in London. So we were maybe meeting uh, when I was in London once every week with the team. We always done, you know, video conferencing and things. What was a pain point actually turned out to be such a strength point because uh, clearly 
it has been a lot of roller coasters with fundings, with emotions, you know, where people, everyone was pretty much affected badly with all the whole situation. But then at the same time, we didn't decrease our productivity, right? And uh, they were just happy working from home. We had, for instance, Kathy, who had to go back to stay with the family in Germany. And I think she probably still is in Germany. And we had Matab, who went back to her family in uh, San Francisco before the whole lockdown thing. So clearly having nine hours difference was a little bit tricky. But we managed to, you know, do that. We delivered. So that was actually a very, very, very good training before the actual needs of being a remote team i feel like i've talked to a couple of people um a young lady in the uk um and in milan and i feel like you on that side of the world are way ahead of us here in north america you're more adjusted like they're used to zoom and having to figure out how to make that very personable interaction through a camera versus us here, you know, it's, you have to be in the office and you have to be in a chair from eight to five and you have to, and we think you're more productive if you are sitting in a chair in an office for eight hours a day and we monitor when you come in, when you go to the bathroom, whereas you all over there have like really, just been way ahead of the game fluid exactly (laughs) and here we are trying to catch up and then bosses and they're understanding like oh people really can work from home and be productive and get stuff done and yeah and over there I feel you ladies are like the trailblazers of getting it to be understood that people are more productive and can accomplish a lot even with not being in the same space so um you're like the third or fourth person that. Yeah. Said that. I mean, <laughs> on that note, if I have to be completely honest, yes, we are totally used to both with internal team as well as liaising with potential clients or, you know, partners speaking with, uh, you know, like whether it's people from LA or for, from Japan. So that is uh, pretty much uh, in our DNA and specifically mine. Having said that, uh, after working, four months closing a home and by all means my partner my girlfriend she's a goddess she's the most loving and understanding person when I need to work for late she would just you know take care maybe of dinner for me and vice versa sometimes she needed you know to have the flexibility so that's quite you know an amazing dynamics between the two but uh, I'm probably gonna regret what I'm saying right now but after four plus months I miss taking the tube. I miss going to an office. I miss uh, the division of spaces because, uh, and that is also, we go back at uh, learning to take time for yourself to be more productive because uh, I'm still learning that. So if I stay in the same, um, in the same room, whether in the same house, even if I say, okay, it's 5 p.m., 6 p.m., 7 p.m., whatever that is, I'm done my brain continues to go. (laughs) I bring or vice versa, I really need to get some stuff done. And uh, I want to focus. And then uh, I might get distracted because I've got two cats and they come and play with me. Don't you want to play with your cat? But then I'm like, no, 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 focus, 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 go back. So the division of spaces right now, I'm suffering a little bit from it. I will overall. At the same time, traveling so much, I really enjoyed staying a good chunk of time at home, enjoying my spaces and uh, not waking up in the middle of nowhere in an hotel room without knowing where you were. Where you are. It, it, <laughs> it happened on tour. It happened so many times that I like just wake up and I was like, oh my God, where I am? And I was like, Carlotta, you are in New York. This is the day. Don't worry. It's fine. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. I think... Um... That is a big struggle over here is the, the confinement. A lot of people are ready to get out. Um, I'm a very social person. I like to go out for happy hours. Oh, yes. And- Tell me something. <laughs> for coffee. I'm Italian. I'm like, I'm this I'm very social as well. So I feel the pain. I share it. And it yes. has been hard. Yeah. We've been doing some uh, social distancing picnics like uh, oh, in the last cool. weeks or so that the lockdown measures were released in uh, 
in UK. So we managed to still very keeping the distance because also kind of um, I saw what happened in Italy and uh, I came in here and, uh, you know, it's like UK government take it a little bit more softly compared to, you know, the measurements that in Italy were taken. And I was seeing, uh, you know, friends and uh, my family and uh, I, unfortunately, some people died that I knew. And so it was a really hard hit on me. But then on top of that, I suffer from diabetes. And therefore, I really was uber careful. So I was yeah, like, to be. we are not doing that. But then, yeah, some social distancing picnics, keeping the distance, of course, not sharing anything to drink and anything to, mm-hmm. to eat, but just the option of uh, talking to a real human being from two meters difference, not one, two. It was uh, quite a nice thing. Yes, it is. <laughs> I do agree with you. Well, um, I want to be able to um, make sure that I cover it's www.creativepassport.com. .net. Oh, .net. Okay. Yes. .net. So www.creativepassport, one word. Yes. .net. .net. And uh, on socials, we are at the Creative Pass. So at Creative Pass. No port, just the pass. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it was too long. You know, we had to, long. on Twitter, it was too long. So I was like, well, let's make it the creative pass everywhere, right? <laughs> My marketing ladies, they were like, we need to keep it the co- you know, consistent. I was like, yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, okay. Well, um, if anybody wants to reach out for more information, um, I'm assuming they can reach out to you or somebody on your team and, um, yes, of course. So it's uh, absolutely any questions uh, or any music makers out there listening who wants to know more might be interested in helping us testing out the waters and the app and uh, just joining the amazing ambassadorship uh, community that we have got. Please just send an email at info at creativepassport.net and either myself or Kathy on the team or someone or Osa as well will pick it up and clearly divert according to what the question or you know the inquiry might be. Okay, perfect. Well that is great. So info at creativepassport.net. Yes. All right. All right. Well, I mean, I don't want to hold you up any longer because it's almost six o'clock. So it's either wine, right? Italians love their wine and their pizza. <laughs> yes. Or also, you know, since you were saying about, you know, having aperitifs around, also a good spritz, it would be the time. There you go. <laughs> so, that might be it. <laughs> so you enjoy your evening and thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I feel bad you were confined to your bathroom there, but. <laughs> no, no, not bathroom, the bedroom. Oh my oh, god, no, bedroom. Not the I thought you said bathroom. I was like, oh, did my I god. say bathroom? My silly Italian accent. Sometimes I mispronounce that. It was <laughs> indeed the bedroom. <laughs> bedroom. All right, good. Oof. I was like, oh man, that's gonna be so uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. All right. Well, perfect. You have been a complete joy, and uh, maybe we'll be able to hook up again. I'll reach out. Maybe when all this COVID, we'll see. When you launch, have you back on? Yeah, that would be absolutely lovely. Okay, perfect. Well, have a great evening. And thank you again for your time. And you. And stay safe and healthy. Yes, lots of love. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and leave a review. We will see you next time. And feel free to drop us a line at getwitit.org.